Listener warning. This podcast episode may contain verbal descriptions of violence, as well as expletives and profanity. The cast and crew recommend you apply or seek adult judgment before continuing. Only in death, the secret mission logs of Kill Team Atromitos. Episode 9, The Interrogation of William. Welcome, loyal subjects of the Imperium, back to the first session of Season 2 of Only in Death, the secret mission logs of Kill Team Atromatos. It has been about six months since we last played, uh, after the campaign got derailed due to scheduling and personal reasons, as uh, you'll probably see if uh, you go check out my blog on the thing at uh, robf.com.au. But uh, enough of that, we are back. We are rearing to go for some more Space Marine action uh, here on the planet Avalos. So, folks, uh, I'm going to do... I'm going to borrow from a podcast that I've been listening to and do a quick round the table, uh, get everyone to uh, introduce themselves, tell us how they're doing and tell us a little bit about the characters they are playing. So I'm just going to go from the top of the list down. Sim, how are you doing? I am sitting in my London house at stupid o'clock on a Friday night. Um, really, really looking forward to... Um, to play in this game again, to be honest. Um, it, it's been a really interesting last six months um, since I last played and I um, it, it's it's good to be back in the UK and sort of I've got a new job and, and just bought a new house and life is coming at me pretty fast. So I do apologise in advance. I haven't done a lot of research or catching up on what I should be kind of looking and thinking about for this ep but I'll, I'll bring some crazy insanity um and i have a new uh resolution this year and that is to try my hardest to fill all of those awkward empty silences for you rob <laughs> um so people feel free to just tell av to shut the hole up because <laughs> that, that is going to be my goal um we'll see how we go this episode my character, Avalon, which is why I'm going first. It's not that Sim is the first letter in the alphabet. A, for Avalon, is the first level, a letter of the alphabet. Not to be confused with the planet Avalos, which we're currently landed on. <laughs> because why, why would we make this easy, Rob? She is a tech marine from the Stormwarden chapter, uh, which are basically angry space Scots. Mm. Um, and she is one hell of a mouthy tinker who loves grenades and um, sort of stating the obvious. <laughs> Indeed she does, and we love her for it. Uh, all right, Catchmate, how are you doing? Doing all right. Finished the work week. Uh, rushed home to get here as fast as I could and uh, ready to get started again. Yeah, I'm playing Gideon Kamael, the Dark Angel Devastator. I, I would say he's taciturn, but that's not necessarily... That's, uh, Gladius, I suppose, is taciturn. Mm. Uh, but I think there's room for two quiet guys. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to have to work out some fun way of bringing your studious demeanor in when it... Um, when yeah, I was uh, thinking I think, about that earlier I think there's yesterday. Gonna be, it's probably going to be like flashbacks to... Um, uh, sessions at uh, the Librarium of either Watch Fortress Eriok or uh, where the heck is I know the Dark Angels are um, they're one of the chapters who actually are based off of starships rather than actually having a planetary fortress mon monastery aren't they? That's right. Yeah, yeah. they uh, 
Uh, I mean, they have a um, a fortress, but it's not. Uh, it's like kind of a, uh, an asteroid. It's kind of a hollowed out hmm. asteroid, I think. And uh, most of their um, they don't have like a um, uh, what's the word? Not homeworld. Like they don't have like a single recruitment world. They recruit from a variety of different places because their original recruiting world was essentially destroyed. All right then, uh, Rebel mates, how are things going at your end? Oh yeah, not too bad. Uh, getting on with life, spending a lot of money in order to get married, uh, because God forbid that it should be cheap and or easy. <laughs> yeah. Been doing a lot of uh, modelling recently, uh, getting into some new war games, which is pretty fun. Um, but yeah, other than that, sort of pootling along. Getting into a war game called Gaslands. Uh, and for anyone who is interested, I have started making Gaslands cars of the characters in this podcast. So keep an eye out in the future. It'll probably end up on Rob's website or mine or whatever. Indeed, we've, um, we've had the previews. I can't wait to see how the actual final products turn out. Because, God forbid, he's miserable enough with arms and legs. Uh, Gladius makes a fantastic car. Uh, Speaking of which, for the people who have not listened to the podcast before, uh, or for people who have been long-time fans and are looking to get back into it, I play Gladius Aurelius. Uh, He is an apothecary, once of the Ultramarines chapter. He's quite quiet, uh, although you wouldn't think it, considering he's been made squad leader and has to talk. Um, for the most part, he doesn't like talking. Is is the way I go with the taciturn. He's a veteran of the Tyranid invasion of Macrag. Uh, left him a little bit, a little bit broken. Um, as much as Space Marines get broken, but yeah, you know, he's he's a nice guy, sort of. All right, then. So we've gone from the UK to Canada, back to the UK, and finally back to Canada again. Scott, mate, how you going? I'm I'm good, man. I'm good. How are you? I am doing well, thank you very much. But right at the moment, this will, you know, it'll be all about me soon enough. Tell us a little bit more about you, mate. Yeah, so I play Matthias Vainglory. He's a blood angel assault marine. He's cocky. He's reckless. He honestly just wants to be the tough guy, the the wants to kill the biggest thing in the room at any given point, just because he's always trying to test himself was basically thrown onto the death watch because of something stupid he did. And his, um, you know, the leader of the blood angels chapter, his captain basically just said, you know what, this will minimize our casualties and teach you how to work on a team. The death watch can have you. So, (laughs) And so that's kind of the way I'm, I'm brand new to Warhammer. I've spent the last, you know, since, since we played last, I've been playing a lot of uh, Dawn of War, Space Marines, reading some books, just trying to get some knowledge around how to play a Blood Angel because they're, uh, they're one of the original, you know, chapters. So you've got you've to do it some justice. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, a lot of Blood Angels fans out there, I think they were the... The chapter that um, I fixated on when I first found out about Warhammer 40,000. So yes, folks, I am Radio Rob, your Game Master for these sessions. And I think without any further ado, we will get stuck back in and see what sort of fun stuff happens from there. Uh, So I would like to beg your indulgence a little bit because although if you're new to the podcast it's probably only been since you last listened to the last episode but for us it has been six months actually six months should it be more like eight months I think I think it's I think it's eight months buddy yeah because I think we stopped playing in June 2017 and it's now February 2018, so something more, yeah, closer to eight months. As it has been a while for us, and, you know, you folks who are listening along, you probably listened to the, la- the last actual play episode, which is episode seven, and where we cut things off, and it just seems like, you know, we're, we're picking straight back up and going along. But I think we need to kind of 
do a little bit of, as I like to say about this show, and I forgot to say right at the beginning, we're conjuring a grim, dark science fiction action movie in the theatre of your mind. So we're hoping to dim the lights in the theatre and uh, open the curtain on the big screen and uh, paint a few images before we actually get stuck into the gameplay. So... Folks, close your eyes if uh, it is convenient for you to close your eyes right at the moment if you are driving while listening to this podcast. Thank you very much for letting us brighten up your commute, but um, yes, please do not impair your driving ability. So if you can, close your eyes and imagine the darkness of space and the brightness of a spinning galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy of the time of the 41st millennium, a spiralling conflagration of stars and nebulae, spinning with an infinitesimal slowness through the internal night. Now, imagine your point of view, the camera, beginning to rush toward, inward toward the spiral arms of the Milky Way, until it slows, passing, after having passed through stars, protostars, bodies of interstellar gas, and infinite blackness, until it focuses on a cluster of stars, the Jericho Reach, a sector of space in the Rimwood Galactic Southeast. And then the point of view accelerates again, zooming in on the leftmost section of the Reach through the darkness until it finds the planet Avalos, a world of blue oceans and green continents, not dissimilar to the ancient days of Holy Terror. As we watch... The sun disappears around the curve of the planet, leaving the side facing us in night. The camera once again zooms in toward the planet, into the atmosphere, through clouds and rain, breaking through to reveal Lordsholm, a decaying city. This is the planetary capital of the planet Avalos. The land in the north sweeps upward toward the eastern sea, forming a line of cliffs topped by manors, and a tall tower at the cliff's very edge. Below these is a pitiful combination of industrial-age factories and nine medieval shanty suburbs broken up by canals. The only concessions to modernity are the blocky, reinforced headquarters of the Planetary Defence Force and the flat pads and maintenance facilities of the spaceport in the city's southeast. Despite the cold and driving rain, much of the city is on fire. The noise of the blaze competes with the distant clap of projectile weapons, snap of las guns, and dull thump of grenades and improvised explosive devices. The camera again shifts in perspective toward the south of the city until we focus on the Poor Ticker District, a collection of warehouses just south of the Planetary Defence Force headquarters and spaceport. The camera closes in on the roof of a darkened warehouse, passing through a broken pane of glass in the ceiling in time to catch four children running across the shot. The camera tilts up as it approaches the concrete flooring of the dirty warehouse until its point of view is parallel with it. We see two of the children fetch up against a woman in planetary defence force fatigues. They hold her tightly and she returns the hugs with one arm. The other one has a las gun at the ready. Stephen, she says, Alexia, I'm so glad you're okay. Are you hurt? We're okay, Auntie Kelly. The young girl, Alexia, says. The big one saved us from the monsters. She scans the warehouse again with her eyes and then returns to the girls and says, I'm just glad you're okay, but what were you? why were you two even out here? You should have stayed home and safe. And who were these two? The child looks across at the other two children just standing next to Kelly, Shara, um, Stephen and Alexia. And Alexia says, This is Anthony and Shara. They live in our neighbourhood. They were at our place when William came around and said he needed to take us away because the bad men were coming. At this, Kelly's eyes flick across again and we hear... A dull thumping, off-camera, but near and getting closer. She looks over at another trooper in PDF gear. He also looks around and then lowers the barrel of his gun. Looks like we're safe for the moment, he says. She looks back to the children 
And Alexia looks at her and says, What was wrong with William, Auntie Kelly? Why did he take us to see monsters? And as the thumping gets ever closer, steady, rhythmic, Kelly looks up again and says, I think our new friends, the big ones, are going to find that out. And then the camera starts to pull back from Sergeant Kelly and the children, focusing on a space of dirty concrete floor in the foreground as the thump, ka-thump, ka-thump gets ever nearer. Then there is a pause and a muffled cry as something flies into shot, hits the concrete flooring hard, crying out. It's a rattly clothed young human male. He's pale, sweaty, haggard, wild-eyed, breathing heavily. He looks up, eyes darting back and forth. And then the camera point of view cuts to the four armoured figures looming above William, regarding him with baleful red lenses. The stark black of their armour contrasts with the shining silver of their left arms and shoulder pauldrons. These four figures are the space marines of Kill Team Atromatos. And I'm going to let them take things from here. Kill Team, what are you doing? Am I not dragging a teenage boy across the landscape by his head? Well, you did. And then you tossed him to hit the floor in... uh... With dramatic purpose. Indeed. Like a mic drop? (laughs) Pretty much. His name's William, not Mike. (laughs) <laughs> that was genius oh, I wish I had a thought of it <laughs> Although have you seen the gif of Prince William Doing the mic drop Was his one named William too <laughs> Was it William or was it, William or was it Harry Oh it might have been Harry Now you mention it the, Yeah I remember seeing the thing with um, him and the Queen and they were sort of exchanging videos with uh, then-President Obama and uh, Michelle. I think, it was some, I think it was about the Invictus Games or something like that. But yes, yeah, so he thrown to the floor like a cheap prop in lip-sync battle. Yes, indeed. Uh, is anyone on the team good with intimidating? As a, like an out-of-character before, before I start... Chatting away in character. I have really scary armor. Like my my armor literally oozes fear. Yes, and also uh, as does Matthias. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so I think uh, where we last left off, the Matthias and Gedeon suggested that uh, Gladius and Avalon deal with William and getting the information out of him. Um, So I think what Gladius will do is he'll say, let's take him somewhere quiet, somewhere out of the way so we can find out more information from him and point at William. We were going to a warehouse, were we not? Before we got sidetracked? Yeah. You are in said warehouse. Are we not back outside again with the kids? No, everyone at the moment is still inside the warehouse. The two PDF troopers came in once the shooting stopped. Basically, at the moment, it's absolutely pissing down with rain outside. So, uh, uh, because, you you know, anyone who is not basically in a fully sealed, uh, fully environmentally sealed suit of powered armour is somewhat understandably willing to be uh, out of the rain, if at all possible. Okay, so let's take Mr. I don't like outside, outside, maybe? I think it may be a better idea to interrogate him inside the warehouse. Okay, and I'm also going to assume that at least one of us was sensible enough to make sure that there isn't any more horrible, foul, deformed beasties still here hiding in boxes. That's what... Uh, we'll do, Gideon and I, and we'll also escort the children back to the uh, the encampment because if there's gene stealers here, there's always more. To answer a question that you guys, that Red was asking earlier on, everybody has a skill called 
intimidate, and every Marine is trained in it. The person who has the best intimidate is Matthias. There is also a skill called interrogation, and that is specifically um, the art of... Pardon me while I turn around and reach for my book. Um, so the difference between the two is that intimidate... Uh, yeah, uses intimidate tests to pressure individuals to give in to, to, give in to demands. Um, the character does not make an intimidate test every time he makes a threat, but only when it involves coercion. Uh, though intimidate lists strength as its associated characteristic, the character may substitute either intelligence or fellowship if the threat involves more subtle methods than brute force, such as blackmail or humiliation. Uh, interrogation is the specific skill of extracting information from an unwilling subject. Interrogation represents skilled application of psychology, various devices, serums, and other techniques. So, yeah, interrogation... Intimidate is a full action. Interrogation is the kind of thing that takes a few hours. And nobody, I'm pretty sure, unless anyone splurged on it without um, letting anybody know, uh, nobody is trained in interrogation. It's a willpower skill, and it's not one of the defaults for a space marine. Okay, uh, no worries. In that case, uh, Gladius will look at Gideon and Matthias and say, I'll leave making sure the perimeter is safe to you, brothers. We'll basically go do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, is this warehouse, like, full of boxes and crates and things, or...? Um, it is... A little bit disused. Uh, it's not full of crates, although there are enough to, as you guys discovered during combat, to make line of sight from uh, one end of the warehouse to the other difficult. So if you're looking for somewhere basically private to go that's out of eye shot of the PDF troopers and the kids, then yes, you can find somewhere without too much trouble. Alright, cool. I guess that's what we do then. Uh, there, right. there was an office. I think you mentioned an office. There was. That's right. Uh, at the back end of the warehouse, on the left hand in the left hand corner, there is an upstairs office. So uh, you could trudge him all the way back from where uh, Avalon picked him up and uh, uh, dragged him from, and um, yeah, take him to the office. I think uh, a safer idea might be to get the kids and the troopers in the office just in case there's an additional attack and that's probably what gladius will suggest um like pop his own head into the office first to make sure there isn't any gene stealers inside uh and then like leave them there while we just go and duff the guy up around the corner basically and by duff him up i mean set avalon on him <laughs> While threatening to go get Matthias if he doesn't talk like a good boy? No, I'm threatening to let you play with him and some grenades. And I'll quite happily say that in character. <laughs> yeah. um, not on closed comms, I imagine, just to... Uh, no, no, publicly, yeah. where he can hear it. <laughs> so, basically, I'm going to let uh, Avalon do the interrogating slash intimidating part for the moment. What I plan to do is go around, uh, pretty much destroy... Uh, the bodies of the gene stealers that are here, save for their heads. Mm -hmm. And whilst Avalon is doing the vast majority of the interrogation, what I'm going to be doing is not only administering first aid to myself, uh, but I'm also going to be very surreptitiously piling up their heads into something I can carry, or at least out of the way, so that I can start tasting them when uh, no one's looking. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to be kicking through boxes and, you know, securing the uh, the perimeter. In that case, Avalon, I assume you are pretty much now picking, will it, grabbing, reaching down and grabbing William by the noggin again, and then dragging him all the way back across the warehouse uh, as Gladius goes in with you to basically make sure it's clear first. Uh, up the stairs, probably, you know, thump, 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 thumping all the way up each step and um, into the office. Would that be about right? I thought we were putting the kids and the PDF oh, right. in the office. 
Apologies. Yeah, that's right. You are. So you're pretty, from the sounds of it, you're pretty much leaving, uh, I would say, William where he is because, I mean, it's the other end of the warehouse from the office anyway. So, all right. Yeah, I mean, I'll take those guys up there while Avalon is, like, in the middle of the warehouse interrogating him so I can get back quickly if there's a problem. Yeah. You basically head up to uh, toward the other way, the other end of the warehouse with um, uh, Sergeant Charles, Private Kelly, Lucas, and the four children in tow. With that, uh, as you go, one of them, one of the two who didn't already know Private Lucas, uh, is following along and um, sort of says, uh, while you're at it, so, hey, you're an ultramarine, right? And you're from, um, uh, you're, uh, yeah, you're from McCrag, McCrag, isn't it? Yeah, that's like, um, like one of the coolest places in the galaxy, isn't it? How cool is it in McCrag? Huh? What, what's it like? Is that a bolt gun? Have you got a bolt gun? It like, sh- it like shoots bullets that like e- explode in people and stuff, doesn't it? You are a very well-informed child. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's, yeah. Literally, that's literally the response. It's just like, you are a very well-informed child. He carries on walking. Yeah. Okay, and as you go, basically, this kid is, keeps peppering with you all sorts of questions. It's like, this is one of those annoying annoying youngsters who paid way too much attention during the uh, during his um, administrator-mandated uh, um, imperial history classes. God knows, probably uh, ripped down every new... Uh, a single one of every new propaganda poster that ever went up in Lord's home, and he's got them all in his room somewhere. <laughs> At least anyone that featured Space Marines, anyway. Gladius is a horrible person, so he's actually just mostly going to ignore him. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> with, 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 with the occasional just like, mm-hmm, yes. Yes. We've, we've already ensured that this is probably the best day of this kid's life. So <laughs> there's not really anything you can no. do to add to it at this point, is there not? Incorrect. So when I get them into the office, mm-hmm. um, Gladius is going to be like, before I leave you for a moment, I just want to make sure that you are physically well. Because Gladius knows how gene stealers work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm just going to say the word implant attack and leave it at that. So, would you do I need to make a roll for this? Or I assume they're actually fine, but like it is genuinely something that he wouldn't just leave because he knows what tyrannid tactics are like, especially at the gene stealer level. Mm-hmm. Um, fair enough. So, basically, from the sounds of it, you want to do some kind of. I'm going to test their blood for tyrannid DNA. Yep. All right then. Okay, in that case, give me um, give me a uh, a routine. Where are we? Would I say this would be routine or an ordinary, uh, an ordinary medicy so, Plus twenty. Uh, plus ten for ordinary. So if you can, first here we go. First die roll in the new session. Um, if you go to your character sheet, you should see medicy under the intelligence column. And if you copy those three cells, the one with the slash R, the one with the 52, and the minus 1D100, paste them into mission comms and then put in plus 10 afterward. Minus 12. Um, okay. So basically you have failed uh, with a degree of failure. So... What? I thought low numbers were better in this. Yeah, except you rolled... Where are we? Um, you rolled a 74, bro. Minus 1d100, yeah. So you rolled a 74. You rolled nice and high, unfortunately. Oh, okay, I can't maths. No worries. The uh, The final die result was a negative 12, so that was a fail with one degree of failure. Uh, you jabbed this kid in the arm... And from recent medical experience with my lovely wife um, having to suffer through a few trips to the hospital, you have trouble actually getting the various needles into an artery. And um, uh, cannulation problems, little yes. shits wriggling. Good old indeed. Trying to get a fucking cannula into a vein. You get a sample, but because of trying to find a vein, and this poor guy, hey, what are you? Ow! 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 
Um, yeah, you can't get a conclusive reading. Stick it to him again. Go on. Go on. <laughs> Turn him into a pin cushion. Well, basically, say for the purposes of the game, yeah, this is the... Uh, this is the role that sticks essentially. So, uh, yeah, um, yeah, that's fine. Basically, what I'll do then is I'll take the blood samples. Um, like uh, Gladius is, he's like polite, but he's not very like. Oh, they're there. It'll be fine. He's just like, this is for your own good. Yes, you know, he doesn't really do the whole bedside manner things. He's used to dealing with space marines. Let's be fair. Indeed. Then he'll, he'll just like when he's done, uh, he will just sort of stand up. Look at the two, Maria. Look at the two troopers, and just say, "Take care of them. I'll be back." And walk out. The only way to be certain is a full dissection. <laughs> and that kind of makes sense. Didn't your arm just get super mangled? Yeah, my my narthesium isn't attached to my arm at the moment. I do need my tech marine to. I think maybe that's what fucked it up. Yeah, my narthesium's buggered because yes, a fucking right. tyrannid yes, ripped right. it off. Mm. Um. Oh, I will go. I'll, I'll just sort of like head back over to where the interrogation's happening with like a Gene Steeler head in tow mm. and just uh, sort of like look at Avalon and just like put my Narthesium in one hand and a Tyranid head in the other. Just be like, I really need this thing fixed, Avalon. <laughs> the Narthesium, I mean. Mm. All right, then. So, as it's been at least a couple of minutes between um, Gladius heading off to uh, secure your travelling companions and uh, then getting back. Uh, and, of course, with the extra time attempted trying to uh, get the blood test done. Avalon, what have you been doing to, I mean, with young William? Um, As a player, I'm going to say that I have absolutely no intention of hard role playing interrogating a teenage boy right now. Uh-huh. Um, so if I roll intimidation, I'm going to take my helmet off and sort of do the, the Iron Man-esque talk absolutely nonstop shite at the guy. <laughs> um, and then try and just get him to talk to me to get me to shut up. Okay, then. Uh, all right. In that case, please, um, give me a... Root, uh, let's see. Um, yeah, give me a routine. So plus twenty, intimidate roll. I'm not going to. Okay. Up. So yeah, if you. So your if I go slash r space mm. twenty, no. D one hundred plus twenty. Uh no, twenty minus one D one hundred. Twenty. Minus 1d100. Whoa. Oh, how'd you go? Minus 80. Oh, uh, well, yeah, so I, you rolled 100, basically. I rolled 100. Okay. So, wow, I suck um, at interrogating. <laughs> Funny that. <laughs> it's fine, I'll have a go in a minute, don't worry. <laughs> if I'm still in the warehouse, I am going to see what's going on just barge over there and try to intimidate the kid into talking. <laughs> I think you were I'm like, I'm going to be like, what is the problem here? <laughs> okay. Oh, awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'm now good cop. This is all fine. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Fair enough. Um, okay. Then. So after brother Avalon basically tries to, uh, even with the um, looming fear effect of her powered armor, uh, and trying to basically semi bluster the kid into, you know, with with uh, uh, casually mentioned veiled threats in that wonderful um, Tony Stark way, reminiscent of when he was um, offering Loki a glass of whiskey while telling him exactly how screwed he was and pretty much how he was going to. Uh, uh, quote, probably die no matter how things came out. Um, unfortunately, uh, William, uh, basically, while he, while he pays attention a little bit at first, perhaps the fear effect gets too much, and he, his eyes glaze over a little bit, and he starts uh, muttering to himself quietly something over and over again about the Lord of Blood and Darkness, the Lord of Blood and Darkness. Uh, which, at about this time, Matthias comes in, 
Are you going to make your roll? Yeah, I'm going to attempt to. I would, I'd like to attempt to basically grab the kid, shove my chainsword to his throat, and yell, "Talk." That's a bit more like it, considering that we were going for an ordinary. Uh, yeah, the way I figure with these die rolls, the best thing I can think of to do is you copy it out of your character sheet, then before you hit enter and do the roll, then you put in any actual modifiers. So technically that should have been that roll, 44 minus 100, 1d100 plus 10, which would actually have given you uh, a degree of success. So, in this case, uh, yeah, you grab William by the scruff of his ratty shirt, lift him up off his feet, with his legs basically kicking in the empty air, he's got at least a foot of clearance, and you put your chainsword, revving or not, I assume that the, the teeth are going to be still right at the moment, but your finger is, yeah. on, the, is on the trigger. For now. All right. <laughs> That's harsh. So, <laughs> teenage boy, people, teenage boy. <laughs> Be nice. Mm. Lured, lured a children into a warehouse full of monsters. Nice is over. Gene Steeler cultist. <laughs> Teenage boy, make bad decisions. We, we're gonna, we're gonna have this conversation in character when I turn up. You put your chainsaw up to his throat, with the teeth pressing into the skin of his neck, and you say, "Talk," and he's sort of like. Oddly enough, in the face of all the, you know, uh, the, the fear effect of not just Avalon's armor, but yours as well, because you both have, uh, uh, Terror Be Thy Name, I'm pretty sure the powered armor history is called. He says, all right, fine, I'll talk. I'll tell you how you're all doomed. You're all doomed. The Lord of Blood and Darkness is coming for you. You thought you thought that my four lords here were something, and there are more. There are more. They will take. They will take the spaceport from from the from the from the pitiful defenders there. One of the one of our generals. One of our generals is 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 leading the effort to take the stores that the Imperium have have hidden away, have tried to keep from us. <laughs> and we'll we'll light the hive of the PDF, where the PDF hide away thinking they'll be safe. <laughs> we'll light it up. We'll light it up with the wrath. The wrath of the Lord of Blood and Darkness. <laughs> so yes, this this kid is gone. He is nuts. Uh, if anyone wants to try and giving give me a uh, where are we? A Forbidden Law Xenos roll? Am I here at this point? Uh, what does that fall under? It's an intelligent skill. Pretty much everybody has it trained because you are, uh, thanks to your Death Watch training, the best person of the bunch. Gladius, let's say that, yeah, you have arrived. You have it at a 52. So give me, yeah, give me an ordinary which will be plus 10. So, um... Oh, well, gee. The, the dice are just really, really, really hating you. Thanks, that was a, that roll was done exactly right, Reb. You've got it. But even with that, it just... Yeah, you... Uh, you had... You needed to get... Under, because it's not clear for the listeners. Again, we got another negative number. Yeah. You needed to get equal to or under a 62, and on the dice you rolled a 75. I think it's time to uh, do a bit of a, a yeah. gothic theory and give us some maintenance, maybe. I think so. All right, then. Yeah. That was another minus three. Anyway, yeah. Matthias, you are fairly sure that you have got pretty much everything you can out of this kid. Oh. Wasting. <laughs> I'm just going to, at this point, toss him to Avalon and shrug. Deal with him. Hey, uh, oh. I know what the dude's talking about. <laughs> okay. Uh, basically, with the forbidden, the, the forbidden law Xenos roll was, was pretty much to confirm what I think you guys already know. 
And based on your training, the knowledge of the foul Xenos that was granted granted to you by the Death Watch, you are as certain as you can get, Avalon, that this kid is not. If he were, you know, once he was a regular human being, but he has been infected by a gene stealer. Uh, he has been given its kiss, and he is lost to the gene stealer cult. He's a wannabe chest first off. Yes, so he's a liability alive? Pretty much, yes. Is there any... I'm going to turn specifically to Gladius at this point. Is there any medically or, or sort of logical reason why we would want him alive? Or is he better off not being alive? I have something I wish to say to him. And then Gladius will just sort of like kneel down because I'm assuming he's on the floor, sort of like at Avalon's feet. Yeah, he'll get as close to eye, eye level as he can. And he'll just say, you are a selfish child. You do not understand what you have done, nor what you have called onto this world. These things that you call your masters will not elevate you into something new. You will die. This world will die. Gene stealers, these things that you think are your lords. They are nothing more than the symptom of a sickness that will gut this world and drink it wholesale. You have doomed your family and your friends. You have saved no one. If you look at me now and beg for the Emperor's mercy, I will grant it to you. And I'd like to activate my uh, ultramarine demeanor. Ooh, okay. Because I really need some hit points. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so for the listeners at home, can you explain exactly what you are doing? So fundamentally, uh, the Ultramarines have a demeanor, which is... Oh, God, I can't remember the exact term of it, but it fundamentally means we follow the Bible. Mm. Uh, Honor the Codex. Honor the Codex, there we go. Uh, so basically, keeping the way things are, the Emperor's mercy is a very polite way of saying, I will kill you quickly. Mm. There is no mercy for the Emperor, from the Emperor. Um, this is something, I mean, I'm quite happy to say this is his taciturn thing as well, because it's probably the most he's actually opened up in front. In fact, I want to say taciturn rather than, um... Mm rather than the ultramarine thing. This is the most he's actually opened up ever in front of the rest of the kill team, and, like, the most emotion he's ever had in his voice. Bloody heck. All right, now, for cinema's sake, I will say that basically as you knelt down and just before you started talking to uh, talking to this kid, or actually, no, you gave your spiel, and then you took your helmet off right before you told him to oh, look you Oh, yeah. Away. Okay, so yes, I will consider that a demeanor uh, triggered. So please give me a 1d10 roll. Oh, the tension. Boom. Oh! Fantastic. Nice. Congratulations. Nice. You have recovered six wounds. Right, so here's my question. Does that carry over from my critical wounds? Does that mean I heal a critical wound and then five other wounds? Or is that I heal the critical wounds and now I can do first aid and not have critical wounds? No worries. It says uh, pretty much on... Uh, if you have your procedure summary handy... Um, yeah, it wasn't clear, which is why I'm asking. Yeah. So as far as I'm concerned, basically you still have your current critical wound score, which is two, I'm pretty sure. Uh, one. One, okay. So that stays. However... Now, I had to whack a figure in just because I wasn't sure exactly what um, your thing was. So, your current wounds, because the way the game actually tracks it, it's not that um, uh, you start with 21 wounds and then drop. You actually start with zero wounds, and you have a maximum of 21. So, currently, you're on 15 wounds. Is that before or after you've subtracted the six? That's, bef- that's after he subtracted the six. Because he had taken so much damage that he'd topped out his wounds, he'd gone all the way up to 21. Then the critical wound's on top. Now, 
do you also uh, want to splurge, and I'm just make, letting you know that the option is there, a, a, a fate point, um, you are back up to full fate points right at the moment, so you've got your three, because it's the start of a new session, do you want to spend one of them on getting rid of that one level of fatigue? Uh, so, before we continue on from that, mm -hmm. I don't usually like grubbing, uh, but I will point this out because obviously we're all fairly, still fairly new to the system, even though we've been playing it for a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, when a demeanor is triggered, and again, I feel really bad for saying this because it's something I'm trying to do for myself. Mm -hmm. uh, if the group decides that the role play was very good or enjoyable uh, as a group, then the number is actually 2d10 rather than 1d10. It is indeed, yes. So Yeah, I'll nominate that for a moving speech from the guy that doesn't say anything. I am happy with that as well. I'll allow it. it was, uh, I don't know if you'd written it beforehand, but it was. if not, it was a bloody great on-the-cuff piece of work, sir. So, yeah. It's a better alternative than me cutting his head off. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm well, going to do that anyway. D10 roll in that case. Okay, I'm going to fill the silence with a... Nice. Oh! Nice. That's a nine. nine. So you now, your current wounds are six of 21. I'm feeling better at being a space marine when our healer's on six, not 21 wounds, just yeah. saying. Uh-huh. Yeah, wait till I get the upgrade, which basically gives me the ability to regenerate my own wounds. Hey, what do you need yeah. for that? I've got some bits and pieces back in the van, bro. <laughs> yeah. Nano machines. Literally nano machines. Anyway, so what's the kid's response to me doing this? They're okay. still in their shed, aren't they? No, I mean like William, the the cultist. Oh. I've asked him to ask me for forgiveness. What are you trying to achieve? Do you actually? Are you actually? Um, not just for drama's sake, are you actually trying to get this kid to basically repent somehow? Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm trying to just... To uh, I, was, I was just hoping to, uh, I don't know, try to, like, add some kind of intimidating fact. Like, the presence of these four space marines may yeah. help no to sort of shake him from this, this possession or whatever mm. you want to call it. All right, so... The, the core question is, uh, yeah, absolutely, you can. I'm actually on the correct page, page 204, if anyone is following along at home. You can assist someone in a skill role. So the question, therefore, is, is Rebel wanting to make a skill role of some kind at this juncture? And uh, if so, what? So, uh, a role if you feel it's appropriate, fella. Invocation, maybe? Let's have a look, and I wish my handy-dandy skill summary hadn't corrupted in transferring the files out of Google Drive and then back in again. Um, okay. Having a quick look at... Command the skill? ...skill list. I guess so. I think command is pretty much the closest thing that you are going to have, but if you're looking for assistance... Where are we? If you are actually assisting somebody with a skill roll, there are some restrictions on it. Come on. Assistance, okay. So, if Gladius is making a command roll, if Gideon wants to assist, it means he also, not only does he have, well, he has to be trained in the skill, yeah, okay. which pretty well, much I think not with command, nobody yeah. is. Uh, the only person who potentially no. could have had the opportunity to train in command, I think, at the beginning, was Gladius, thanks to his option yeah. of being an ultramarine. And it's not a... Yeah. Gladius, if you are genuinely trying to get some sort of repentance out of this kid, make an untrained command roll, and it is going to be, I will say, hard. Because you are trying to deal with a gene-stealer cultist, and you are trying to reach something that is being overridden by changes to his very DNA. Okay. If you fail, I'm cutting his head off. Do you say that out loud? 
if, if I fail, he's not getting the comfort of getting, getting his head cut off. I'm just hoping that was all on yeah. private. There's my role. Oh, that'll, that'll do. No, that was out of character. No worries. Okay. Um, considering that unmodified, you were trying to get equal to or lower than uh, popping back to Gladius at 20. No. Uh, the, the kid basically just... His eyes flicker up to meet yours. And he says... There is only one Lord, the Lord of Blood and Dark. Which is pretty much when he gets stabbed in the neck with a combat knife. Yeah. All right. Not in a so, quick death way either. Just a book, and then just drop him. Yeah. So um, and he goes, and we nothing. And you withdraw the knife. He collapses to the ground, trying to hands to his neck, trying to stem the bleeding, but it is. A matter of seconds before the teenage, uh, the teenager, the gene stealer cultist. There's nothing but the corpse. Gladius will then, at that point, stand up, look down at the corpse, and just say, "Suffer not the heretic to live," and put his helmet back on. I'm going to put my helmet back on too. Do we want to burn this corpse? Yes. Do we want to burn down the entire warehouse or try and b burn the corpse outside where it's a bit damp? We'll take the children out first, then we'll burn everything. Awesome. So I'm going to start improvising incendiary devices um, while they get the children out. <laughs> I'll go to the outside and just check the children are already comfortable with glass. No I didn't hear most of that fellow. It's gone awkward quiet again. Yep. I don't. I didn't actually hear what was said. I, I heard I'm going to go outside and then not really anything else. Scott, are you still there? If you are, we cannot hear you right at the moment. Oh, I think he's dead. Uh. Uh. Is he dead? Oh, yep. oh. Bye-bye. He, he really did go outside. He left <laughs> the channel. He did. Oh, Okay. He's back in general. Uh. Hey, welcome back. Maybe. Now, do we have you in voice as well as in spirit? Uh, welcome to the wonder of modern technology, ladies and gentlemen of our listening audience. Uh, it's my goal to get through one of these episodes without having a technical failure. Just saying. <laughs> Unachievable life goals. We're going to have to all get your asses to London and we'll do this face-to-face -face one day, yeah? Yep. Once we're earning a shitload of money of this off Patreon and um, we can cover the plane tickets. And God knows by then we might be famous enough to do it. Well, that probably won't let us do it at war. Yeah, to be fair, by then Scott's microphone might be working. Yeah. <laughs> I do live really close to Comic-Con. And knowing the way things work, it will probably actually start working while we're there. When we don't need it, and then once um, we all, you know, we all fly back to Australia and Canada and what have you, it'll suddenly stop working again. While Matthias is checking the perimeter for rabbits or gene stealers or whatnot, me and uh, Gideon will probably go up and get the kids and the troopers and walk them around, unless Gideon's got better plans. Not really. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with you, I guess. I'll at least be polite enough. Now I seem to have lost everybody. What was, what was, what was you going to say, chap? Hello? Oh. Hey, hey, let's uh, go back. Hey, found a workaround. I've called in from my phone. So, we're hey, doing that today. Uh, <laughs> the same <sim> method. <laughs> it might not be yeah, golden so throne quality sound, but damn it, we will take it. What were yeah. you going to say, Ian? Oh, just that I, uh, I don't think Gideon will be... Uh, I don't know if he really has anything to say to them, but he'll go with you. Gideon doesn't seem uh, especially thrilled to be working with the PDF. Oh, do I smell backstory? <laughs> well, I think it's just more that he's a, a dark angel who are notoriously reclusive and um, monkish in the yeah. like. Yeah, <laughs> not, not really not. big fans of working with anyone, uh, even outside the chapter, but especially not with non-space marines mm. I've just got a text from Reb Reb are you able to talk 
Oh, jeez. We cannot hear Redman. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <sighs> Everyone has stopped making sounds in my t- <laughs> All right. He's going to reset his internet and come back. Ah, cool. all right. We're going to take the kids out and we're going to burn the place to the ground. That's where I left off at. Yep. Yeah, I think that's, that's the plan. Okay, cool. If we light this building on fire, is that going to set the whole tab on fire? Or, like, how close are the adjacent buildings? So I think we want to get rid of this warehouse, but not necessarily the entire district. Yeah. It's... That's the only way we can be sure. (laughs) There is enough room streetwise around the warehouse so that vehicles can get in and out. Um, so I, I think Gideon would be fine with it, but yeah, Avalon's totally cool. Put it this way: it, at this stage, if the if other chunks of the local district did catch on fire, it would probably be a little bit more. I hate I hate to use the words, but like slum clearance. It's and <laughs> it's not as if there isn't a lot of it that uh, isn't on fire right at the moment, anyway. I suppose. Um, yeah, and it's the only way you can be sure. <laughs> <laughs> While that is happening, I'm going to volunteer Matthias to bring, to escort the children back with the the Planetary Defense Force and just kind of get them back so that they're safe and out of the equation mm. while the places are on fire. <laughs> but yes, what I call that plan sounds brilliant, so we'll do that. Mm. Yeah, I think if, if uh, Matthias is volunteering to go deal with the children Gideon is happy to let him do it instead <laughs> I've got the jump pack I can get back quickly although the idea of using the jump pack exhaust to ignite my incendiary devices is kind of appealing and very cinematic oh has it happened again <laughs> oh no you're still there okay good <laughs> well I said about eating brains and it went dead silent Okay, Um, it's been pretty much agreed that you guys are leaving the warehouse, it's going to get lit on fire with the corpse of young Willie and the three dead gene stealers in it, although uh, Gladys has taken the three heads and been able to uh, find uh, a hessian sack effectively in the warehouse to stick them in and secure them to his, um, uh, either his tactical belt or one of his... um, uh, fire armor plates. This uh, is the again, usually his... first millennium, and we're finding a Hessian sack to put the really disgusting alien heads in. Grim dark, really, really grim dark. Yeah, I mean, okay. This is the this is the forty first millennium, which in theory by now should like be light years beyond Star Trek: The Next Generation, and pretty much. Star Trek The Next Generation maybe happened a, cu- a couple of tens of thousands of years ago, and then everyone forgot all that shit, and they just call it the Dark Age of Technology now. So, yeah. I'm just thinking, those little sort of removalist crates full of ammo are all over all the terrain pieces. Could we maybe not put them in a plastic box that doesn't leak, like, tyranid body fluids? <laughs> Okay. After a couple of hours, just 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 a suggestion to the to the general group. All right, if that's what you want to go with, go for it. <laughs> Don't worry, I won't be carrying them long. I just need to carry them long enough to find somewhere so that after you've fixed my narthesium, I can make a toxin. The toxin will make the anything we apply it to anathema to the tyranids. Oh. Okay, so I understood everything of that up to I get to fix your arm, um, <laughs> which is cool. Let me blow this thing up sky high, and then yeah, we can we can do that. I'm now going to be looking around really quickly to see if there's any cool spare parts in this here warehouse I could be adding to that arm. Basically, you do a quick case of the joint, and there's nothing really here that you can use to improve the arm in any serious technical way. Pretty much what it's going to be is the uh, repair paste that co- that you guys get as standard edition. Uh, standard edition. Standard issue. 
as Space Marines generally and Death Watch Space Marines as well. That is pretty much what's going to re-affix the rest of um, Gladius's arm from the elbow down back to the rest of his power armor and restore it to functionality. Uh, you could probably try and reinforce the joint with a, a couple of uh, lengths of assorted decent steel that you find. We can consider that as pretty much a, a matter of course as it's not uh, particularly pressing and um, yeah, you get the arm reattached. Sweet. Okay, so reattachment montage yep. um, was a go. You don't need to do it roll. You're happy for me to just be awesome with engineering? Yep. All right. In that case, yeah, I, I guess we move on. Um, I would like to start using my apothecary trick of making toxins, if that's okay. I don't know how you want to mechanically represent that. Or if I can do it on the march. I figured it was just a North Eastern would do this while I was walking kind of thing. Um, I think that is a fair enough call. I'm just having a quick look. Librarian. Apothecary. Create toxins once per day. Uh, needs a tissue sample of a particular enemy, which you've got. His Narthesium, which you've got, and one hour to create the toxins. Um, for argument's sake, right at the moment, as you're uh, in the immediate vicinity, you've got three potential destinations. Uh, the spaceport, the Imperial stores, and the PDF base. And the PDF base is closest to you guys, such that it's really a couple of blocks away. So it's only going to be 20 minutes walk, tops. And William did say that they were planning to attack that, right? He basically said all that they were going to be hitting all three of them one way or another. Brilliant. Well, okay, so I'll get the guys on the Vox and say, where do we want to go first? The PDF base seems the most simple, since it's the closest. Yeah, and we can restock. That's a good yeah, idea. I can, get, I can get back to them faster, too. And in another good point, it's probably the most secure place that you can take the kids to. Oh, there's that. Where were the Where were the yeah. troopers going before? Because they had a thing that they need to do. Were they going back to the PDF base? Pretty much. Uh, that was generally the aim to try and... Um, uh, pardon me, yeah, link back up with... PDF headquarters and then uh, go from there. Then, yeah. Uh, in in that case, Gladius will say obviously we told them to head on without us. It would make the most sense to deliver these troopers back to their unit. I think Gideon would be happy to offload these uh, uh, PDF and the kids first as soon as possible. Oh yeah, and the kids. Thank you very much once again for listening to the first episode of the all-new season of Only in Death. It is great to be back, and I am glad that you folks have come back, or even come to us for the first time, to get some secret Space Marine action between your ears. And I hope that the sci-fi action movie that we conjured in the theatre of your mind was as awesome for you as it was for us to play out. Certainly went to a couple of dark places in this first episode. Now, normally there would be an outro here by the rest of the crew, but as this was our first time back and we did have some technical quibbles which delayed our start... I edited the gaming that we did so that uh, uh, the second episode of Only in Death would be the next encounter at the PDF base in its entirety. So right about now, you would otherwise be hearing me going around the table to uh, get everybody to tell us what they thought of the session and where they could be found online. That will be at the end of the next episode. But in the meantime, I just wanted to tell you folks about a couple of things that you can kind of expect 
to hear at around about this time as well. Uh, at this time, I would like to read out any five-star reviews that this show gets on iTunes. So if you enjoy the show, leave a review, rate it as you wish, but if you give it a glowing five-star review, it will actually pop up at the end of this podcast. A little bit of bribery so that you can uh, tell people how awesome the podcast is, but uh, I hope you will forgive us. Not only that, at the end of each show, I will be reading out any new Serfs of the Watch Fortress. This is the special group of folks who will be backing the show on Patreon, the crowdfunding platform where you can support a creator or creators by work that they do uh, or by month. So please go and check out www.patreon.com forward slash only in death. We have some awesome rewards queued up for you. First of which is a little project that we like to call the debriefing. We record the gameplay episodes of Only in Death every fortnight on a Friday afternoon evening for US and UK folks and Saturday morning for you fine listeners in Australia. But in every off week, we also get as many of us back together as possible as we can to record the debriefing, which is kind of like uh, a post-show show. Think think Geek and Sundry's Talks Machina for their fantastic show Critical Role, or any of the other uh, post-show analysis shows that were pioneered by the uh, Tomorrow Media Group and are now pretty much everywhere. If you like Netflix, you've probably seen Beyond Stranger Things, the post-season two breakdown analysis and chat with the stars of the show that you can watch after plowing through both seasons of Stranger Things, which I have done recently. So it is a chance for us to get together, talk a little bit about Only in Death from a... Uh, you know, in a review kind of perspective, and also have you folks come in on it. So if you subscribe to us on Patreon, you will get access to the debriefing, and you will be able to download the episodes as they go up there. But not only that, if you back us at higher levels, you may even be able to listen to not just our live recordings of Only in Death, we will make that access available on the Discord server to you, but you will also be able to listen to the debriefing sessions live and potentially ask us questions on the Discord server. We'll also be looking at taking any answering any questions that people put up on the Patreon wall. And not only that, if you back us at what is currently the highest level of $30 per month, you will gain the exalted rank of Watch Captain, which means that you can join in at the debriefing if you connect to our Discord server with a microphone. This access level is limited, so if you're keen, please get in quick. Anyway, folks, that is just some of the awesome stuff that you can expect out of us in Season 2 and beyond of Only in Death, the Secret Mission Logs of Kill Team Atromatos. So until next time, toil hard and may the Emperor's blessing be upon you. Our theme music is created by Michael Taylor of the band Shades of Sorrow. For more fantastic metal, go to shadesofsorrow.ca and if you'd like Michael to create custom music for you, email him at shadesofsorrow1 at yahoo.com.